0: This is Glenn Hughes, the voice of rock, and you're listening to Music Mania. You're ready for some screaming heavy metal? We rock! But the evil that men do... on. We're gonna bang your...
1: You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. And we are off and running here in the year 2018. It is late January, and we can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Music Media Podcast. I'm your host Clint Switzer, and I'll tell you what huge guest coming up today. We're going to be talking to one of the great power rock vocalists, in my opinion, of all time, in Jeff Scott Soto. Guys, the things that he's done, the bands he's been in, uh, the work he's uh, been able to you know put out there over the years, starting with uh, you know working with Ingve Malmsteen back in the '80s to uh, Axel Rudy Pell. He's been in Journey. He did uh, vocals for the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg. And currently, he just just released a a solo album uh, recently, as well as an album with his supergroup, Sons of Apollo. And I hesitate to use that term, supergroup. That's just for lack of a better term. But a lot of great players in that one, uh, from Jason Bonham, Mike Portnoy, Billy Sheehan, Bumblefoot. This is just an unbelievable outfit. The Psychotic Symphony, that is the latest album. Voted one of the top five rock albums of 2017 uh, by Eddie Trunk. So guys, Jeff Scott Soto, everything he's done. I'm, for one, I'm a huge Axel Rudy Pell fan, uh, of kind of a little known. Uh, I don't want to say little known, but here in America, a guy like Axel doesn't have some kind of a huge following. Uh, but what a, a German guitar wizard uh, is Axel Rudy Pell, and he's put out some amazing solo albums with great vocalists. Uh, Jeff Scott Soto was uh, just one of them. Johnny Gioli is the current vocalist, and Axel Rudy Pell. They put out consistent material. It's great stuff, and, and Jeff, that's really kind of where I got to hear Jeff for the first time uh, when he did the Eternal Prisoner album with Axel Rudy Pell. And uh, just on onward and upward for, for Jeff. He's always busy. He'll talk about the fact that he doesn't really like to sleep. He's just out there doing his thing. He, of course, also appears with the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And I was able to see him uh, in, in the guys and in the, in the gals back in uh, December. What a What a production that is. And that's kind of where I got the idea to get a hold of him to do this. And I'm glad I did great stuff with Jeff Scott Soto. We were able to catch up uh, a couple weeks ago and just now uh, been backlogged with interviews, which is a good thing. So just now getting up Jeff's, and we're going to go ahead and head to that in just a moment. But before we do that, i got to talk about our sponsor, CD Warehouse in Gladstone, Missouri. Guys, for over 20 years, a staple of the Northland. It is where I bought 90% of the music I own to this day. Look up my guy Randy Ringer there at CD Warehouse. No one better buy, sell, and trade DVDs, CDs, vinyl, and much more. Guys, that CD Warehouse in Gladstone. Believe me, there's nothing like them in all of Kansas City. Oh, doing great, man. We really appreciate you joining us, man. I know uh, this has been quite a busy year for you, man, 2017, so I'm <laughs> yeah, sure more of the same. <laughs> I, I was wondering if your New Year's resolution for this year was to get some sleep. I mean... <laughs> nah, sleep,
0: is, sleep is for the, uh, the, the
1: wimps. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
0: I, I only need sleep when I, when I pass out.
1: That's right, man. Well, it's been, like I so said, awake, I'm ready to go. Hey, that's that's it. And that's, hey, that's the that same more for you than it is for me because uh, this has been, kind of, you know, of course I'm from the Midwest here, Jeff. I'm here, it right as we speak right now outside here. It is like sleeting and snowing. It's like six degrees. Oh so, you my know, God. yeah, <laughs> not for everyone. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, I, I don't want to brag or anything, but outside it's, it, it's, a, it's a balmy 73 degrees. The
1: sun is basically blazing through my window. So, well, yeah, and peop- well, people it's in LA. so expensive to live in California. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, well, people in LA scramble to put coats on at 73 degrees, right? Exactly. <laughs> We've
0: we rained for a day and a half over here, and nobody knew how to drive. Nobody knew what to do when the. When the-
1: Water coming down. Oh man, I was out there a couple of years ago uh, for the Rose Bowl and it was uh, kind of cold. You know, it was like, it was in the 60s and it was just like people, I have never seen anything like the panic that had set in there and in the greater LA area. It was something else. I was like, come out to Kansas City, man. I'll show you. I'll get, you know, we got some good barbecue out here, but aside from that, I can't offer much. I can tell you that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I think the Chiefs is, is my son's favorite team and, uh, I, I I watch them now. I follow them now because of my son. So uh, you, you know they, they have a lot of uh, a lot of potential. They keep growing, and I, I think they can uh, they can do some
1: good things in the new. In the next- <laughs> you you are absolutely kidding me right now. Your son is a Chiefs fan now. Uh, you know you're uh, we do cover sports on this show as well. I do tons of sports. Chiefs since I mean the Chiefs just lost a playoff game, Jeff, not five days ago, in another disastrous fashion. And I can't believe I'm talking with an, someone that has the burden of being a Chiefs fan, especially that's not from here. That's just uh
0: it's, it's pretty, Yeah, it's, it's funny because I, I wear my Chiefs shirt on the on the Trans Orchestra tour because it's a long sleeve, and people are thinking, are oh, you just sucking up, or do you really watch the teams? Like, no, man. I, I I don't wear teams unless they're actually something I watch or I'm into. I wear Steelers and Chiefs. That's it.
1: Well, that's amazing because I just saw you uh, perform here in Kansas City with the Trans Siberian Orchestra, you know, right before Christmas. And I guess I had such bad seats I couldn't see the shirt, so I would have had to give you, you know, I'd have had to say something to you about that. But uh, no, it's all you know. I want to start there because Trans Siberian Orchestra, man, this was actually my first time uh, seeing the show, and I mean, I was blown away. Jeff, I mean, you've been with them this outfit for over, for ten years or so. The production is top-notch, musicianship. I've never seen anything like it. I don't know why it took me so long, but I saw the show, and, man, it was unbelievable. It was so great to see you guys here in Kansas City.
0: Well, you know, TSO is the, the biggest unknown band on the planet. I mean, there are a lot of people that don't know about TSO. They might have heard about it. A lot of people haven't seen it. But then, and then you look uh, you look at the numbers. You go, if for, for a band that nobody knows about, we're still selling out arenas. It's, it's pretty insane.
1: Uh, that the show in Kansas City was at the Sprint Center and I mean it was the it was, you know maybe except for like Garth Brooks or something one of the most packed I've ever seen it I, I was unbelievable. The show was something else. Like it's one of those things, the whole family. And I'm somebody that, like, in my early 20s, you know, I, I'm, I'm in my 30s now, but in my early 20s, I kind of like had it with Christmas music. I'm just like, okay, enough. Like tra- now, nowadays, I, it's like the opposite. I can't get enough. I'm just all. Maybe it's just because I'm getting older. But that show was insane. Like I, we're good friends with Joel Hoekstra, who I know does uh, a lot of. He's and you've worked with him quite a bit too, and he does uh, some of the shows as well. And and I looked up there, I see Bloss Elias on drums. Like my God, this is like an 80s metal super show here. Yeah, it,
0: it was great to have Bloss with us. I've known him, I've known him since I, even before Slaughter because I actually auditioned him for something that uh, I was working on in 1987, which was the Cooney uh, the project. I don't know if you you know the
1: the, uh, the kind of deep crevices of my career. Yes. I worked
0: as a guitar player in uh, the late 80s, and when we were looking for the lineup to complete it, I, I checked Bloss out. Strangely enough, I didn't think he had the goods to uh, to, to join us at that time, so. We didn't fly him out. We didn't get to uh, check him out further. And next thing you know, he he goes and joins. Or he's basically starting up with slaughter. So it's a small world and you just never know who you're going to go full
1: circle with absolutely and you're connected to so many of these guys and I want to talk to uh, you know as we talk about you being busy I'm referring of course to, to two albums that you're a part of um, and your solo album which I want to start with which is, which is fantastic I think uh, Decibel Geek podcast had uh, Feels Like Forever ranked as the, their number one ballad of the year this is a, just a tremendous album you know kind of more of your melodic hard rock side um, just kind of talk to us about uh, the album I know Frontiers man you partnered with them for a lot of years and they are awesome about putting out albums like this great album can't recommend it enough what's the rest- been like. Well,
0: it, it's it's been amazing, especially based on the fact that I've got so much going on in such a short time. Um, I, I didn't know if there was any backlash on um, the response. I thought people were basically gonna they were gonna slam me because because I have so much going on. They're gonna they, they would say stuff like, "Well, it sounds rushed. It sounds like you didn't spend enough time or put the uh, the effort that you you normally would have to make it the best it could be," etc. etc. I didn't get any of that. In fact, I, I, I got a lot of people congratulating that I was doing more of this style again because the uh, the past few years I've been following up with my my new band Soto, which is a lot heavier. It's not as melodic rock or AOR hard rock type of thing. Uh, Soto was more on the the kind of metal side of things, uh, power metal, etc. and People were stoked about this album. They they were hoping that I would do another. They, that I wasn't walking away from this course of my life and my in my past. And of course I wasn't. I just wanted to do something that was representing how I felt and where I was at musically at the time. But as a solo artist, I will always include or keep that side of me going. It's it, that's one of the things of having a thirty plus year career is that I've I've, I've established myself with enough. Uh, Genres in enough places that I could always come back to them, and people don't look at it like, Well, why are you doing that? That's not you. We don't know you as that. I started my career as a heavy metal singer, and across the board, I I was able to dabble onto all the things that I've always wanted and and thought I wanted to do. And, you know, I, I, I based my career on a band like Queen, who never. Stopped at any boundaries, any any levels of musical genres, just because they didn't think it fit. You know, you, you couldn't do a Metallica style song and and put in a smooth jazz and a bluesy disco opera. I mean, that was a band that just did all of that, and I was so heavily influenced by that. How could I not want to do that myself?
1: Well, Jeff, you have so much power in your voice, and I've always been a fan since. Uh, since back in the Ingve days and uh, the, the things that you've done since. You've been involved with so many acts, but I, I, I love uh, seeing that. You're very versatile, obviously, in showcasing that, certainly on this album and uh, songs like Retribution, Rain Again, but then you have, you know, we talked about the ballad, Feels Like Forever, and then the song uh, for your brother Joey, who had suffered a heart attack, and I know 2017 where it was a busy year was also a year of great loss for you. Not only that, but your, the loss of uh, your ex-bandmate David Z. It was it, So that kind of inspiration had to come into play with uh, you know, with this album and these songs.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know what? I always find inspiration outside of my own personal tragedies or even personal um, glories. I I don't necessarily write only about myself or about my experiences. I always like to go outside the box and, and go into others. I mean, and that's one of the greatest things about being an artist and doing what you do, being able to do this for a living, is that you can draw from so many other experiences that don't necessarily always have to be yours. To be honest with you, I find it harder for me to write about things that I've experienced myself because you, you're so emotionally attached. It's almost like you don't really want to share that those personal feelings with the rest of the world until it's something like a song for Joey that is something so relatable to so many others. I mean, I'm not the only one who's had an affliction like this of losing my brother or losing a sibling or, or losing somebody that was so close to you and somebody that knows your... Every in and out of life, and so I, I then see that as important to share with others because they might have the same feelings, not know how to ex- exactly express them, but now they're expressed through a song that they can actually relate to, and that passes on to so many other people that are dealing with those those kinds of issues. So it, it's 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 a kind of a it's a double edged sword and not wanting to get too close and too personal with my own experiences but on the other hand sometimes you you
1: must. Sometimes it's, it's it's your actual duty to do so. Uh, that's absolutely true, and it's such a wonderful thing about music is that how it connects to people in different ways. And people, I think you've said before, you like to write lyrics and to sing in in ways that people can kind of form their own opinion about about what uh, it's about. And I think that's incredible. And talk, speaking of incredible, to me, the the, the album of the year in two thousand seventeen that's the music Mania album of the year. Now Eddie Trunk only had this third on his list, but Sons of Apollo, the Psychotic Symphony. This is an unbelievable album. You know, I think a lot of it was pr- because of the amazing players on this. Of course, you got Bumblefoot, Billy Sheehan, uh, Mike Portnoy. It's easy to label this and say, well, here's just a prog super group. It's so much more than that. Jeff, get into this album a little bit. What do you what have you been hearing from people on this? It's been out since October. But my gosh, what a powerhouse of an album. And you explore like a lot of different types of rock. Certainly not just prog, not just metal. Not just, a lot easier. Classic rock in it. It's all there, man. It's great stuff.
0: Well absolutely. And and going into it, we didn't really have a game plan per se. We knew the, the level and caliber of players that we were going into this and we, we had to make something that was just over the top and, and just slam it and send killer. But that being said, we didn't think, oh, we we kind of have to make sure that we, we tap onto the classic rock side where we we tap onto the prog side. We we went to it we went into it knowing that the, like I said, it was gonna have the level of what people expected of us. But on the other hand, there was a lot of it that came out organically and even unexpectedly uh, in the sense of maybe we should kind of dabble in that. Maybe we should do something that has all the influences and and all the things that we actually love about what we do in music. Because everybody would automatically see somebody like Mike Portnoy and they think, All he listens to and and likes is prog because that was the main core of his career was dream theater. But Mike liked a lot of different types of music and not being in dream theater allowed him to pursue a lot of that. Now he's able to take and channel all those different things that he always loved in in, in so many different walks and respects of musical life and put them into this band. And that's what we all kind of did. There are elements of everything we've all done without actually trying to make it sound like uh, that we're trying to put all those elements in. And that was I was afraid of that as well in the beginning stages. I was afraid that, well, how am I supposed to write us or, or co-write or, or write lyrics to a song and, that has all those influences? It's going to sound like Dream Theater meets Winery Dogs meets Mr. Big meets David Lee Rock. You can't <laughs> think about it. You can't go into into it thinking, well, it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that, so let's try to put it in, because then it just sounds like you're forcing it. Well, that's The album was not forced by any stretch. Everything about it just kind of happened. And, you know, from the from the way the guys actually wrote the material together in the studio, they, they booked the studio for 10 days with a few keyboard ideas, and they came out with all the music for this album in 10 days before I got back from the Soto Tour. I came home, and, and then I went into the studio with Mike and Derek, and we... Chiseled out the melodies and the lyrics together, and again, it just—it just happened. There wasn't, there was no preconception to what we were trying to uh, create here. We just, all we knew was that it had to sound like us, and not not sound forced, or sound like we were trying to make all the other bands that we came from in, in one, you know, one big soup.
1: That, that's and you say that the, the word rush and I think that's the thing that you hear a lot about uh, criticism when it comes to uh, some some groups that are put together this way it sounds like someone recorded this guitar part and this drum part it's it's good stuff it's great musically but maybe it just doesn't mesh together this sounds anything but this sounds like a band and uh, what I think is cool about this as well is you guys are gonna go out on the road hitting the road here I think you got some shows coming up here uh, in February and then you're gonna be in uh, in Europe for for quite a while so some big things coming up for you guys here in 2018.
0: There's a lot going on that we haven't revealed yet and and I can't reveal just yet. And it's by design, there is the especially management are very focused and very um, they, they've got a lot of attention to how we we're, we're going to present all the ideas and all the dates and all the things that are going on with the band. it's It's really it's harkening back to the way things were done before the internet and and all the uh, the accessibility that that was out there for uh, for bands you know, when we were growing up. We want to try to create some kind of mystique because once once we play the first show, The Settlers is out there, all the YouTube videos, it's all gone, It's a, the mystique is completely gone. And that's, we all grew up in a day and age where you had to actually wait for a magazine to come out. You had to wait for an album to come out to, to actually read the credits and know what was going on. You had to wait for that band to come through town before you knew what they sounded like. And if you were lucky, they were sharing and, and uh, you could buy bootlegs of those bands back in the day. All that mystique, all that uh, that excitement is gone. And so we're trying to kind of tap into that a little bit and bring it back to just to sort of a degree that it gets people excited about things again. And I think, uh, you know, like I said, you, you have uh, just not even a tip of the iceberg of what's going on with this band. And I love the way everybody thinks, wow, you know all this hype and all this madness about what's going on with this with this new group, and they're doing two weeks in, in the, on the East Coast. Not, it's not really much of a tour. It's like you guys have no idea what's going on out there. It's going to be a lot revealed very.
1: I uh, cannot wait for that. That is going to be just unbelievable. And, and Jeff, just being as a huge fan of yours, I honest to goodness consider you one of the, the great power rock vocalists of all time. I go back. I, I'm a huge Axel Rudy Pell fan. Eternal Prisoner is one of my favorite albums of, of, of all time. Uh, and so uh, I, I know that's sort of like a part of your career that probably, you know, maybe not a lot of people ask about, but I'm a huge Axel fan. I loved your work there from uh, Black Moon Pyramid and the ballads. Like just, I, you know, I've always wanted to get your take on on working with Axel because I believe uh, up at that point, of course, he'd done the... Band Steeler. He does. Uh, Eternal Prisoner was his first sort of solo venture. Just kind of talk about how you got mixed up with him and, and working with him for those years and those albums. Because I love every one of them. Well,
0: that was. Uh, with actual, I, I got involved with him when after the the um, what was it? What was his second solo album? It was Eternal Prisoner, wasn't
1: it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, Eternal Prisoner, '92. Yeah. That's the one that uh, Rob Rock sang on. You, you sang on. No, I... it, you sang on Eternal Prisoner. Uh, the
0: one before, I remember the name. The name of that.
1: Yeah. Oh boy. Anyway, the, the one he did before that was Rob Rock. They, the,
0: uh, the label wanted to line up some, some tour dates, and Rob couldn't sing them. So he got a hold of, I think he got Rob or somebody got a hold of Roy Z, because Roy Z knows Rob really well. He's worked with him a bunch of times, and Roy called me and said, "Hey, this is German guy, release a new album. He wants to do some dates." and it's not a long tour, it could be some decent money, you know, do you wanna do, can I pass on your number? I went to high school with Orange so I've known Roy since before he became anything. <laughs> so it's kinda of cool to, uh, to be able to share, now to be able to, to trade off uh, references with the guy. So uh, Axel called me, I, he, he sent me the album, I, I said, this sounds great, I'd love to do it, I was not busy at the time, and that's where we, we sparked up a great friendship, and that friendship lasts to this day. Uh, that first road show was great. From that, Axel asked me to sing on the uh, the next album, Eternal Prisoner, and and we just we went on from there. We we went on to do a few albums together and a few tours, and and I, I love the guy. I, I absolutely love this guy. His music is his music. Everything about what what, he, what I did for him was for his marquee. It's not necessarily my cup of tea. I'm not really drawing from what he does in my own music. But needless to say, I enjoyed touring with him. I enjoyed doing those records with him. And I, I would never frown upon doing something with him in the near
1: future. Yes, and it was Nasty Reputation was the one that was before that. I just... Just yeah, a, yeah, yeah, that was it. And that, wonderful time, and, and Jeff. Of course, I mean, all the things you've done. We could get into to to journey and WT. And you've done so many things, but you know, I, we just um, talked to Rudy uh, Sarzo uh, not long ago on the show, and the, the, of course, he was a part of the film *Hired Gun*, and that film kind of got me thinking about you and all the things you've done, and the, and the you talked about just then working with Axel Rudy Pell. Maybe not the kind of music that you would uh, you know pursue in your solo ventures, but today, and, the, and and I think that maybe this goes for a lot of people. It seems to me like you're maybe more in a place of, of kind of working and going forward with personal happiness and personal accomplishment versus a lot of these people if you've seen the film hired gun that you know they go out you know so, someone like you know jason hook who plays with mandy moore and stuff like that like is, would you say that you're in a place right now that like personal happiness kind of goes beyond you're necessarily getting a gig that you know is going to you know maybe go on and 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 pay well and stuff like that but what how, what's your take on that
0: well, you know, it's it, uh, first of all, I love that movie. Of, uh,
1: yeah,
0: good friends with friends, trying since uh, since be- before the movie was uh, being released, and I now I curse him for not putting me in it. <laughs> but um, the the idea, of, and and that's, I love the fact that Jason comes from the same pedigree that we we basically wanted to just do music for a living at whatever cost. I mean, you, you, we we didn't just say, you know what, I'm committed to only this musically. Genre-wise, I, I love music overall. I, I, like I said about Queen, it goes the same for so many other bands and so many other influences that got me to who I am and what I am as a singer, as a writer, as an artist. Without all of those influences, I wouldn't be able to tap into all the things that I've been able to do through the years. And needless to say, those things, that, that ideal and those influences helped me into doing other things, from my disco cover band, The Boogie Nights, that I did for about five years, to, um, to even a, a solo album like Beautiful Mess, which was a little funkier, a little more soul R&B rock oriented. I, I love tapping all, into the, all those different things and seeing somebody like Jason who said, you know what? I'm a hard rock guitar player, but I'm not going to live it myself because if I do that, I'm basically just going to be living off macaroni and cheese boxes, uh, <laughs> boxes for, the, for the next few years. He made sure that he... If it was a gig, he adapted to it, he made it the best he possibly could, and he won people over. And that's how he was able to use those stepping stones stepping to get into uh, Five Finger Death Punch. And I guess I always looked at it the same way. I might have been, I was crucified for it back in the day. Back in the 80s or early 90s, I got belted from this stuff because people would say, Oh, he's, he's, a, he's all over the map. He doesn't know what he wants, where he is musically. He can't stay with one band. Why is he always doing so many different projects. But you know what, aside of the fact that I get bored easily with just one genre of music, I needed to express myself. I needed to tap into those different things to kind of find where's gonna be the core side of what I wanna do for a living and what I wanted to do even for my own material. And I, without all those things, I wouldn't have been able to find that. And it gave, not only gave me the opportunity to make a living, I didn't have to get a day job for the past 30 plus years. But it also gave me the opportunity to challenge myself creatively and to put my name out there in so many different aspects to doing jingles, to doing the movie Rockstar, to doing so many things I, I would have missed out on had I just focused on one thing. Now, it's worked for a band like Metallica. Those guys didn't have to venture off and play on other people's records and and do sidebands and all that. They focused on one thing and they made it happen. I would have loved nothing more than to be able to do that. But then, personally, deep down, I would have felt cheated. I would have felt cheated to myself and the people that I could have actually been sharing something different and new with.
1: Absolutely. That is a wonderfully said and I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad that you've been able to to have that and to, to continue on into into all the projects you're gonna be doing. We look forward to that. And before I let you go, Jeff, I've gotta I've gotta share a personal story with you. Uh, you talked about Rockstar, which I'm and I'm not i I'm a huge fan of the soundtrack, huge fan of the film. But I, I was in high school when it came out, Jeff, and I had a hilarious moment where I took a date to see that film. And afterwards the girl told me she goes, you know what, Mark Wahlberg. He, I can't believe it, but he sings so good. He's an amazing singer. He's so good. He just, he sings like a rock. He's a, he's a rock star. He should be a rock star. And I was like, wait, yeah. I was like, you know, my sin is, wait, not so fast, my friend. Let me tell you about Jeff Scott Soto, who sings those songs. And I know, of course, the singer from Steelheart as well. But uh, that I, I'm a huge fan of those songs, Jeff. That was uh, something that, to me that, um, you know, Rockstar, I think an underrated film. To, to be honest, and uh, I just kind of wanted to see what your experience was recording those. And I think today you still, you know, in your solo stuff, you'll still sing one of those songs from time to time, Stand Up and Shout or something like that. Just what was your experience with that film and kind of how do you see it now, like 16 years later? Well, first of all, I'll, I'll dispel the, the rumors or the
0: false, the false information that seems to be... It's convoluted out there because obviously, as soon as they say my name, rock star, stand up and shout. They automatically think I sang for Mark Wahlberg. I think you probably know, but uh, a lot of people don't realize that that uh, the Teague from uh, Steelheart sang for Mark. My voice is for the original singer, the Bobby Beers character yes. in the movie, the guy that pulls the wig off, Jason Fleming. Um, I was the War vagina I'll get to that in a second. So. I didn't sing for Mark Wahlberg. I auditioned originally to sing for Mark Wahlberg's voice, but the director of the movie thought my voice sounded too season too Husky too veteran sounding. Therefore, my voice was placed for the original singer that uh, that left the band, and Mark Wahlberg needed a younger, kind of greener sound, which Vatievich uh, was able to, uh, he was able to kind of cop more. So um, I got that gig because i spent about i did the last uh, what is it five or six records within the, the last years of tom Warman's producing career he i, I started with striper when striper did their against the law album those guys i've been friends with since i was with english since 1985 on that particular album they were going a non-secular direction and they wanted to beef up their backing vocals through all those vocals past years that with them only doing the backing vocals they said it sounded too angelic. They were too clean, they were too soft, too light. They wanted to heavy it up a bit. And Michael Sweet called me and asked me if I'd come in and, and sing a few backgrounds. I ended up singing backgrounds on the entire record. Uh, that's when I met Tom Orman, who was also very impressed with how quickly I worked, um, how I could come up with harmonies. I, I, I would help them kind of create where we were gonna go and I just nailed them on first take. And he loved how fast I worked and and how uh, versatile my voice was. So he hired me for the next five or six records he was working on from Steelheart's second album, Leader Ford's Dangerous Curves, et, et cetera, until the final album that he did before he uh, retired, which I think was a band called Pariah. Um, he went into retirement. They pulled him out of retirement to do the Rockstar soundtrack. And when they were throwing around vocalists and ideas for who was gonna sing for the actual uh, movie characters, my name was dropped out there for between Zach Wilde and Jeff Pilson and Tom Worman who I, I'd only worked with as a backing vocalist he said man that guy is so badass I'd love to work with him as a lead vocalist so all these guys put my name in the hat and that's how I got the call to call him to uh, sing as I already told you I, I sounded too big and too husky for the Mark Wahlberg character but they were able to utilize me for the uh, for other aspects of the movie uh, to this day I, I think I think the movie is great it, for what it is. It's, for the entertainment factor of it. It's not. It's not mine, It's not Citizen tame, but, uh <laughs> You know, it's something that that showed you what, kind of a, a fantasy version of what was going on during that time, and led to the whole uh, grudge movement. Um, the, the thing that killed it, unfortunately, was it came out the weekend before nine eleven. I think it had it had another week of, of non. You know, the world basically not stopping for the for about almost a month where people were going to movies and such. I think it would have found its legs and it might have had a, a better box office uh, uh, you know, overall take as opposed to the cult classic that it's become. I, on that side, I, I'm kind of happy that it's got that cult classic thing because of this stand up. The, the song stand-up that I get to do in the movie, now I get to do that live wherever I go. And, and all my bands and all the shows I, I've been doing since that movie came out, rocks are the stand-up has become a staple, and, and I love doing it as much as I love doing any of my, my other songs.
1: Absolutely. I'm a huge fan. Living the Life was great. There was, there was a lot of good songs out, um, off that album, no doubt about it. And um, Long live rock and roll, which was a course from Rainbow. A great cover of that. There's just so many. And Jeff, you've just All been right. you've just been around and done so many things. i am just you know can't thank you enough for joining us today. Let me tell you, if you are ever in Kansas City, if you ever want to bring your son to a Chiefs game, you hit me up. I will hook that up and we'll make that happen. Hey, maybe it, maybe it'll be a year we actually win a playoff game because we've only won one in 24 years. So let's here's here's hoping for the future, my friend. Uh, anytime. So
0: my, my, my dream game is to see the Steelers against the Chiefs in one of their lives, not just on television. So that if, if that's going down somewhere be, before, or uh, that doesn't interfere with the TSO schedule, because clearly football season is during the TSO season, uh, um, I would love to see something like that. That, that would,
1: that's my bucket list. Hey, right I know for a fact Chiefs play the Steelers in Pittsburgh next year. Maybe we could just all meet there and have, have a have a fun. There you go, man. Well, hey, keep up to exactly. date. When Sons of uh, Sons of Apollo gets uh, you know gets the press release out, make sure we'll make sure we get that out there, and we'll uh, we'll definitely talk again down the road and and, produ- and uh, help promote that. And anything else you got going on, man? Uh, we can't thank you enough, and let's uh, let's definitely stay in touch. And we'll catch up again down the road.
0: Awesome, Clint. thanks for your time, and uh, thanks for you know getting to chat about all this fun stuff.
1: Hey, lot, lots going on, man. Can't wait, and we'll catch up soon. Thanks a lot. Right on, brother. All the best. You bet. You too. Big thanks to Jeff for joining us. What a great interview that was. Unbelievable to find out that Jeff and his son are Chiefs fans of all things. Here in Kansas City, of course, we cover a lot of sports. Uh, On the sports side of things, I have my sports website, gasnsports.com. It's the Great American Sports Network, and we cover a ton of Chiefs. And, of course, personally, a huge Chiefs fan for, for many, many years since I was a kid. And to, to find out that Jeff is maybe, unfortunately, a fan of this franchise that can never seem to win in the playoffs. I know that's not why you guys listen to this show, but uh, that's just the facts. But good to have him on board in the, in the Chiefs kingdom, even though we can't seem to win a playoff game. Only, I think, four playoff wins in my lifetime. That's not, that's not great. I think Tom Brady... Has that many in the last two years, uh, more than that actually. It's unbelievable, but big thanks to Jeff for joining us. Great stuff from him. Can't wait to see what Sons of Apollo have going on um, into 2018. Look for a big announcement on that coming up. Thank you for joining us here on the Music Mania Podcast. We have some huge guests coming up, including the voice of rock himself, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer from Deep Purple, Black Sabbath. Mr. Glenn Hughes is going to be joining us as well as Drew Fortier, guitarist from the band Bang Tango, uh, he also directed a film called "Attack of Life," which is a documentary about the band uh, Bang Tango, and uh, yeah, he was able to join up with uh, Joe Lestay and the guys and a band that's kind of unheralded from the 80s. We're gonna be talking about um, all that the film and, and much more uh, with Drew coming up, but also look out for that Glenn Hughes interview also coming up. So many big things happening. It's hey, it's 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 freezing cold outside. I think we had a zero degree day. Just the other day, but not for long because this weather's going to get better. It's going to be time for the concerts to start up. My calendar's already filling up. I've got some big things coming up. Going to be going out to Tampa uh, to cover the LA Guns concert uh, out there at the Brass Mug and going to be in Vegas for Michael Schenker Fest. That's going to be awesome. Working it out right now, trying to get an interview with Michael. We had him on about a year ago and we're going to be talking to him there at the Schenker Fest with all three original. all three MSG singers, uh, Graham Bonnet, Gary Barden, and, of course, Robin McCauley, uh, are involved in this thing. It's, it's a big deal, kind of spanning Michael Schenker's entire career, one of my favorite guitarists of all time. Going to be joining us, um, hopefully, here uh, in, in the next couple of months. And as we go out there, definitely to take in and review the show uh, for our website, musicmaniapodcast.com. That's where it's all archived. Thank you so much. For-